Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. Can you guys, can you guys hear me? That's coming through the speakers? Cool. All right. Whoa. I'll try not to breathe right into the mic again. Hey, guys. How we doing? Good. Good. Kai, it's good to be here today. Um, I am Brandon's fill-in. He's on a tropical getaway in, uh, in Mexico, and that's a much-needed vacation for that man. If you, if you know him, you would agree. Um, so yeah, um, you know, we're going to be talking about discipleship today, as you can see. Um, before I do that, though, I know if Brandon was here today, he would, he would take a little time to say something about Mark Trotter, right? Um, they, were, they, were, they were good friends, and uh, you know, I'm not the person to say something about Mark Trotter. I've, I've had two personal encounters with him. One was in the parking lot over by MBT. We were, I was getting here as he was leaving, and he said, hey, brother, and I said, hey, Mark. And, and that was one encounter. And then the second was um, we were at Chipotle like four years ago after All Church Retreat, and he performed this rap that he did. Many of you have probably seen him rap. And I, and I you know, I wonder, you know, has Jesus asked him to rap for him yet? And um, I know that Mark would jump on that opportunity to do that. Um, but really, uh, in, that, in that first All Church Retreat where I and, you know, saw Mark teach for the first time, he, uh, and you guys probably remember this, a lot of you were there, he taught this message on um, how when we're doing things for God as disciples of Jesus Christ, we, we're mistaken when we say, I'm doing this for God. Because we don't do anything for God, right? We're not, we're not, we can't do anything for God. We, and he changed, you know, my perspective that day and made me realize that when we're doing things for God, what we're actually, you know, the right mindset is, I'm doing this because I'm submitted to my Lord, right? And that's how he uses us, is our submission to him. And um, yeah, it changed, it changed my perspective, it changed my walk um, with the Lord. I was very early into discipleship at that time. And um, man, I'm just, I'm just grateful for Mark Trotter and his influence on, on this fellowship of churches, the Living Faith Fellowship. Uh, we, we truly are lucky to, to have known him. Um, Anyway, if you don't know me, my name is Nick Hatton, and I'm a, I've been a Bible study leader in this fellowship for like a week now, and um, I'm also a member of the discipleship team here at MBT, and I've been on that team for about a year now, um, and uh, a little bit over a year. Um, my, my lovely wife, Hannah, and I are actually a team within that team, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about what we do on that team. Um, we are in charge of this pairing process that takes place, okay? So... Um, Basically, we have the ministry responsibility of getting anybody in the entire church, not just this fellowship, the whole church, that goes through the cost of discipleship class paired up with the discipler. And that means that person has completed COD and turned in a form saying, I would like to be paired up. If we don't get that form, then nobody get, you know, you don't get paired up. So we got to get that form. Um, but once we get it, we, we endeavor on this pursuit of finding, you know, with help of the pastors and leadership in the church, of finding who is right for this, this pairing. Uh, we do several other things for that team as well, but the bulk of it does come from that pairing process. And we do that six times a year, and it can be lengthy and involved, and um, 
you know, it's, it's fun, though. I'm grateful to do uh, ministry alongside my wife. Um, but I point all that out to say that from a ministry perspective, from an MBT perspective, I'm thinking about discipleship all the time. I think about it all the time. I wake up in the middle of the night, and I scream the name of pairings, and, and Hannah calms me down. The, the most recent one was Eric Phillips and Matthew Darius. And um, no, I don't do that. But I do think about pairings and discipleship all the time, specifically the relationship aspect of it. Um, and, you know, I was asked to bring a message about discipleship today. And I was realizing when I was studying this out that if I don't stop myself from being so autonomous in the ministry that I'm a part of, I start to develop this very narrow view of it. And it just so happens to be discipleship. So I develop a very narrow, uh, one-minded perspective of what discipleship is. Um, and I think we all run the risk of doing that in whatever ministries we're a part of, right? Where the, the place we're viewing something from looks like the only place that it can be viewed from, which isn't the case. Um, so one thing I'll say is that going back and studying scripture that we all would claim to be familiar with, right, is something that helps us remove that tunnel vision that we develop as we become robotic in any areas of our walks with the Lord. Uh, my closest friends say I have robotic tendencies. And I see, I see where that comes from, but it hurts, guys. And, and, and you tell me, do robots have feelings? Can robots be hurt? No, they can't. I, I'm a human, just like you guys. Anyway, so today I'm going to go over 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, 4, if I have time. Uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, and I'm just going to talk about what God showed me. And what he showed me are some things that I think I overlooked about discipleship from the very beginning of, of my time being a disciple of Christ. And then also some things that I just needed to relearn and be reminded of. Um, before I get into that, though, I do want to just talk about what discipleship is here at MBT. Because I, I don't know, is there anybody in here that doesn't? Know what discipleship at MBT looks like? Maybe I don't need to do this. Okay, everybody here is informed. Awesome. Is, raise your hand if you're involved in discipleship. Dang. Cool, yeah. Discipleship's happening in Kaya, clearly. Um, well, um, if somebody was too shy to raise their hand about not knowing, I'll go ahead and just say, discipleship at MBT is, you know, it starts with COD. You turn in your form, you get paired up by, by the process we take care of, and then you get this book. And the book is filled with material. There's 18 lessons in this book, and it's, it's called Biblical Discipleship. And uh, basically, these lessons are made up of biblical truths and principles that a believer, a follower of Christ, absolutely must know and understand in order to carry on living out the Great Commission the way God intended his people would, right? Not the way we think we should, not the way it makes sense for us to fit God into our life, but the way he intends for us to do it. He's very specific. Um, something to point out for all of you who seem to be involved in discipleship, praise the Lord, um, is that this book is not the key ingredient to this discipleship process, right? And the lessons in it are not the key ingredient. The, the, the main thing, you know, first of all, it's an awesome tool. This book's great. I refer to it all the time. Uh, it provides a structure for us to measure where we're at in this discipleship process with our disciple and our discipler and the apprentice. Um, but the, the key ingredient is that all these parties involved would be living out the process of discipleship. That's the real thing that's happening, right? And sometimes we lose focus of that. Um, discipleship is not a program that helps us to become better versions of ourselves, okay? If that's what you're hoping to achieve in discipleship, there's some people in this room who are about to start discipleship. So if that's, if that's you, then that's, that's not going to be what it is, okay? You're going to you're going to become a brand new version of yourself. And it's going to happen before you're even done with these 18 lessons 
if you take this process seriously and if you take God's word seriously. All right? Um, Jesus Christ and his way of training up people in the faith will literally make you into a new creature in Christ, you know, and it'll happen before you know it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And this room is filled with evidence of that, right? I'm evidence of that. Again, it's not a program, okay? What it is, it's a recreation of life based in Jesus Christ from one follower of Jesus Christ to another within the bounds of a local church. That's what discipleship is. Um, It's also the replacing or recreating of ourselves in ministry by way of ministry. All right? Does that make sense? Sort of? Okay. So with that 10,000-foot view of discipleship at MBT that nobody needed, we will uh, get into the message here. But real quick, let's pray that we get something from this, and let's just thank God for uh, Mark Trotter. Um, God, thank you for today, Lord. Uh, Thank you for who you are, for, for your word, Lord, and for... Uh, just how you use it in our lives, how you've given us this process of investment in believers that is discipleship. It's what you did with the people that were following you in, 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 in life, you know, with your time here on earth. And um, God, we're just grateful that we, we get to open up the Bible and see that and we can allow it to become a reality in our lives if we choose to. And um, God, I do want to be moved aside today. I don't, I don't you know, nobody, nobody needs to hear from me. We want to hear your word and uh, I pray that we'd have soft hearts to it so that we could be changed by it. Um, and God, for, for, for Mark Trotter's life and just how he used his life to glorify you, we, we are grateful for that example, Lord. Um, what, a, what a mighty man of God. And if, if, if any of our lives you know, amount to half of what, what his look like, then God, there, there's going to be glory that's going to you from our lives on earth. And um, God, we're just grateful for him and the testimony of of his salvation and just the life that he lived and um, how you used him. So be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. If you want to turn there, um, the passage is, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's a light. Praise the Lord. We're going we're to preach through this thing, all right? Um, <clears throat> so a little bit about 2 Timothy before we uh, dive into the passage here. Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote this letter to Timothy, okay? Um, this was going to be the final last words that Timothy ever gave and sent to his disciple, this guy that he brought up in the faith, right? This, this person that he'd become a spiritual father to in a lot of ways. Um, and knowing that th- these are his last words to him, there's a, there's a level of sentiment to this letter if you read it from that perspective. Guys, don't pay attention to the lights, all right? Let's focus on, on the message here. Your eyes are making me want to look. But um, <clears throat> um, the other perspective that Paul was writing this from is that he was approaching uh, his impending death, Right? Roman authorities were going to put him to death because of his faith and belief in Jesus Christ. And if you're ever studying out 2 Timothy, something to take note of uh, is that his concern in this letter is not his approaching and impending death. That's not it. It's that the ministry and the glorification of Jesus Christ would continue on long after him. All right, For the local church, for the, for the church age, New Testament church. 
This letter to Timothy, for all of us, is a reminder of how to honor God through preservation while reinforcing the foundations of ministry. That's what it is. That's where we can... When, praise God. I was, gonna, I, was getting, I, was, I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Um, okay, but did we, did we hear all that? Okay, all right. Um, so Timothy, the receiver of this letter, I won't say a lot about him. He was probably in his mid-30s when he got this letter from Paul. And uh, he was well into his, you know, his, his time of being a follower of Christ, well over a decade. And um, Timothy is just known for being the, this faithful man from a young age. We read about it in Acts 16 when he first meets Paul in Lystra. And, uh, you know, essentially Timothy fit the description of what Paul said a disciple should be, which is faithful. That's the word he uses to describe a disciple. Um, so as New Testament believers, again, for all of us, Timothy is somebody that we can really be modeling our discipleship tendencies after, all right? His, his name literally means honoring God. And when we all get discipled, whether or not we take notice of it in the beginning or at some point along the way, what we're doing is honoring God through preservation of his word and his ministry. That's, how, that's, that's what we're doing when we replace ourselves in ministry. Ooh, set a little bit of a tone here with, this, with these dim lights. And it's gone, just like that. <laughs> Um, okay, it's coming back a little bit. All right, all right, all right. Um, <clears throat> okay, so with all that being said, uh, we can't ignore, again, the main thing that's the main thing when we're going through discipleship, which is honoring God, okay? It's, it's not just lessons. We're not doing lessons. If you're in lesson 10 and you haven't honored God at all, what, what are you doing? Are you, just, are you really going through discipleship? Okay, um, verse 1, we'll get into it. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All right, so that's the opening line to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And um, again, when, when Timothy got this, this letter, he was a well-established minister of the gospel. Prior, prior to having received this letter, he had already essentially been commissioned by Paul to reside in Ephesus, to be a pastor and a leader and an evangelist to that, to that body of work that he started. And he intended that Timothy would perfect the work that he had begun. Right? So what Paul did was he entrusted the work of the ministry to Timothy, as we should all be doing as, as disciples ourselves, right? We need to be handing off ministry to our disciples. Um, so when we read this, not only should it be read from the perspective of a discipler telling his disciple something, right? Which admittedly, that's how I've always read it. I, I always imagine Timothy opening the letter and being like, oh, cool, Paul. Oh, Paul's finally going to tell me what discipleship is. But that, that's not at all the case, right? This is a letter from a discipler sharing something important with another discipler. Somebody Paul would have considered, you know, one of his most key co-laborers in the faith. Um, so we actually see in this verse, what we actually see is the fruits of discipleship having been realized, right? When we can address our disciples the way Paul addresses Timothy. Um, these were two people that had given their lives to the mission of Jesus Christ. To the sharing of their lives, one man reproduced his life and walked with the Lord in another. And that's the outcome of biblical discipleship. Um, and, you know, I think MBT does a good job of acknowledging this. Um, we acknowledge it often, but it's a privilege for this book to become a reality in the lives of believers. And it's pleasing to God when that happens. Um, and that's why it's supposed to be taken literally, guys. That's why we're supposed to read our Bibles and say, I want this to be real in my life. Um, and I look around this room, and I see the fruits of biblical discipleship everywhere, right? Like, I do. You guys all raise your hand. And of those people who raise their hand, you guys have made decisions to 
serve in the local church. You've sacrificed your time to, to give back to the body of Christ. And I mean, that's a, that's a decision that's influenced by this Bible becoming a reality in your life, whether or not you know it. Um, the same thing for people choosing to go from being disciples to, to disciples. It's saying, I want to invest what I've, what I've learned into the lives of others. Um, and man, this, this room used to be really small, and it was way before I was around. But it started with like less than five Bible studies. And since then, there has, we have multiplied, and there are now 31 Bible studies in this room. And that decision alone to go from a place of comfort and fruitfulness to a place of being stretched and saying, you know, it, it's going to be hard work again, but let's create more space for people to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. This thing that we do so nonchalantly is influenced by this Bible being a reality in our life. You don't know it, maybe, but you've got the DNA of the Bible working within you. And that, that's owning the ministry. That is letting the Bible help you make decisions. And also, it's pleasing to God above all else. Um, okay, that was kind of a tangent. Um, b- back to verse 1, though. Um, right away, the things that we have to take notice of is what Paul, or the thing we, that I want us to take notice of, I suppose, is, is what Paul is telling Timothy to be strong in, right? And I don't want to overlook this word grace because Seth yelled at us a few weeks ago and told us not to. You read us like a thousand verses with the word grace in it. And that was a good message, Seth. Um, so the word grace, right? He doesn't say, thou therefore, my son, be strong, and then move along. He doesn't say, thou therefore, my son, which this, this makes sense to me, to say, Timothy, who, who I discipled, the Apostle Paul discipled, who has been on mis- uh, multiple missionary trips with me, long like journeys of missionary trips, who... You know, I've sent to go be a leader at this church in Ephesus. Like, this guy had reasons to, like, have confidence in the things he had accomplished, right? And I think naturally that's what we go to for our confidence, right? If we get asked to do a new task in ministry, we pull out our list of things we've done previously. And if there's not something from that list that matches what we've been asked to do, we might say, nah, my experiences don't, haven't prepared me for this thing, right? We, we seek our our previous accomplishments for our confidence. And that's wrong. That's not the mindset of a discipler or a disciple of Christ, right? Um, Paul tells Timothy plainly, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And, that, and when we pull out a list, all it needs to say is God's grace. And then it's like, okay, yeah, I can, I can probably do this thing. I know I can do this thing. Um, so yeah, that first mention of the word grace is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, Okay which says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The first 29 uses of this word, I went and looked, the first 29 uses of this word are all used in that context of having found grace in the eyes of the Lord or having found grace in the sight of God, okay? So in that context, we have a really good biblical definition of what God's grace is. And uh, biblically defined, it's favor, acceptance, friendship, and mercy. And as the word goes on to be used throughout Scripture, we start to see it mean the gospel is being distinguished and separate from the law. And then by experience, a lot of us know it's a gift that's freely given to us. But the scripture says that as well. And that's after we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Um, let's look at uh, John chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It says, And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So knowing what this word means, right, gives us insight into exactly what it is Paul is telling Timothy here. And, and I think it can be said with confidence, guys, 
that Paul is reminding Timothy to continue growing in the thing that Christ gave him before he had any experience in ministry, before he had any wisdom or knowledge of God's word and God's mysteries. He's saying, Timothy, the thing that you can get your strength from is somebody who's accomplished much in ministry is the thing that you got from Jesus Christ when you were just a babe in the faith, before you knew anything else about who God was. That's God's grace. And guys, that's because God's grace is a believer's foundation, right? It's the first thing we get when we get saved along with our salvations. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4 says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, that he rose again, and the third day according to the Scriptures. So I, I bring this up to, to simply say, if you've reconciled yourself to this truth, to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for all of us, uh, then you know God's grace, right? You, you have God's grace. You have an endless, you have an endless, uh, an unlimited apply, an unlimited supply of that grace, and unlimited access to it. Um, you just gotta, you just gotta seek it out. Um, if you haven't, though, if you haven't reconciled yourself to this truth, this might be the only thing that you uh, need to hear me say today. Um, Jesus Christ died for your sins and for the sins of all mankind, um, so that we could have the opportunity to accept the free gift of salvation into our life and not be separated from God the Father, the creator of the universe, by our sinful nature that we inherited. All right? And if you, if you accept that free gift of salvation, you get to spend an eternity with God the Father in heaven and right relationship with him. But if you put that off for too long, if you decide, no, 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 I can't, I don't want to deal with this right now, I don't want to be confronted with this thing, the, the outcome is that, you know, Scripture tells us that you'll spend an eternity suffering in hell. That's, you know, those are the two sides of this. Um, and if you haven't had this conversation, if you don't want to be confronted with it, too bad, um, you should have this conversation today with someone about how it is that Jesus Christ mended our relationship with the creator of the universe, Okay? Um, we're all offered forgiveness, guys. For the rest of us, though, after being saved, we get that first taste of grace and our first supply of foundation that God's going to let us stand on for the rest of our entire lives, right? That's what that grace is. And we need reminding all the time after that moment of what that thing is, don't we? Paul didn't think Timothy was above the reminder, so why are any of us, all right? We forget that feeling, and we start overlooking God's grace, all right? Like all things that enter into the life of human beings, if they're not pursued with passion and purpose, they inevitably diminish. All right? And we, we, this is a characteristic of humans. We've given it a title because we just acknowledge it in ourselves. It's called the law of diminishing returns. Um, over time, all things become less valuable to us than they were when we first came into contact with them. All right? that's, 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 that's a characteristic of human nature. That's my one economic plug for the day. I won't say anything else about it. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So this is, this is that very thing, right? And this is true of all things in our life, physical things, inanimate things, ideas, beliefs, ideologies, whatever it might be, we adapt uh, or we adopt a new thing. We love it because it's shiny. And then when the shininess, you know, simmers down, we want something new, all right? And unfortunately, we don't separate God's grace from this thing in our lives, do we? We don't. We forget. We forget what God's grace can pull us through. Proverbs 27.20 says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. And it's because of this very reason that we cannot afford to be passive 
with our faith, guys. If we don't pursue our faith and our walks with the Lord, if we don't get discipled, if we don't pursue the truth that God gives us along with that grace, then we will find ourselves trying to stand tall and firm on a memory of what God's grace felt like in the very beginning of our walks with him. And you should know that the world desperately wants you to fall off that foundation that you have. Desperately. And that's why God's grace deserves a spot in the forefronts of our minds. All right, and disciples know that. It's not something we're supposed to seek out when emergencies happen. And we can't find it. And then we're struggling to remember. <sighs> it's back. Um, look, guys, discipleship is the remedy that lets us grow that foundation and the grace and truth of our Lord. And at the end of the day, we're all trying to get to a spot where, where we, there's nothing really left for us to say to our disciples other than um, brother, sister, my, my son, my daughter, continue to grow in the strength of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's all that needs to be said. Um, so key point number one. Biblical discipleship creates a firm foundation in the life of believers based in God's grace. This is where a disciple of Jesus Christ finds their strength in the Lord. Man, why is it so awkward to drink water up here? It's like, can't get over it. Okay, um, all my key points are just summaries of what I said. They're not like something else that reaches for you. It's just a summary. So you guys can probably guess my key points as they're coming up. Um, anyway, <clears throat> verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Okay, so here we have the action and the model that takes place in biblical discipleship. Right? And a lot of us are familiar with this. It's plastered on the wall of the sanctuary in MBT. Um, and that's because we are a church that's built on biblical discipleship. We have a heart for it because we see that Jesus Christ had a heart for it in the scriptures. Um, this is the thing we're called to do as followers of Jesus Christ after we've accepted our salvations and his grace and, his, and we want to pursue his truths. Right? We're called to have God's word invested into us by his people so we can in turn invest it into somebody else and continue on. Um, between this verse and Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Let's read this real quick. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Unto the end of the world. Amen. Between these two passages... We know what it is that God wants us to do as followers of him, okay? We do. This is where we see it. This is his will. He wants us to be fruitful as we operate within his will, right? And according to the plan that he has for each of our lives, which will look different for, for every single one of us, right? It's not, it's not a 10-year plan and we don't know what's coming at the end. It's what's right before us. And as we take steps into the plan that he lays out for us according to his will, and we glorify Christ in everything that we do and in everything that he introduces into our lives. We live out our purposes. And for any Christian in this room who's struggling to figure out what their purpose is, your purpose is to glorify God with your life. That's the, that's the end goal, right? That's what we want to do, at the, or that's what we want to be doing. So at the end of our life, we know we did that thing. John 15, 16 tells us, You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you that you should go forth and bring, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of, of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Um, so here we see that the fruit we produce as disciples of Jesus Christ 
uh, is supposed to have a specific characteristic, right? It's supposed to be fruit that remains. Um, so the only way that's going to happen is if it's tended to, right? If it's, if it's brought up and nourished correctly. In real life, fruit dies, right? We, we, you know, we get fruit, and if we don't eat it quick, it dies. But if you pull a seed from that fruit and you plant that seed, more fruit will come. And then if you take fruit, uh, seed from that fruit and continue on and so forth, you have fruit that's remaining, right? And that's how fruit remains in all of our lives. Um, yeah, this is done through discipleship. This is the process that God gave us to grow and invest in his people. And I don't, I don't see an argument for discipleship being unneeded for a believer. It might not be unneeded in the very beginning. I mean, it's important to just become a faithful attender of a local church before you decide to, you know, give your whole life to him. You don't, you know, that's up to you. That's, that's on different levels, but it's not expected of you right away. Um, but I make that point to say, Jesus and his disciples, along with his disciples and their disciples, and their disciples and their disciples, the practices that they took part in, which produced fruit that would remain, so much so that it would long, out, long outlast the lives of the men that we read about and model our lives after in this book and reach us in this room thousands of years later is discipleship. So tell me it didn't work. Tell me it doesn't work. I will, you know, I won't say anything. The practices, you know, <laughs> um, look, God gave us the process of true investment in the lives of believers. And it's, it's by that process that people go from being lost to being saved to getting baptized and to becoming established in a life that's based in worship and the word of God in the local church and in ministry. That's, that's what discipleship does. It takes believers from a place where they're not only calling and knowing Jesus as their Savior, but their Lord as well, all right? And it changes our behavior so that we live that way. Key point number two, biblical discipleship is how the body of Christ produces fruit that remains, which brings glory to God. Um, one more point about verse two here before we move along is that Paul specifically uses the word faithful, right, to describe, his, to describe the people that we're investing ourselves into. And it's so easy to, to read that word faithful and start making assumptions about what it means, right? For me, I've always read and thought, okay, somebody who will show up uh, and is able to hold down a job. Like, that's what I think about when, you know, my worldly self, when I think about the word faithful. But, but the Bible defines the word faith as meaning trust. Faith means trust. When we, when we have faith in God, we have trust in God. And the word faithful in this context just means trustworthy, right? Um, so when Paul says to Timothy, hey, all the things that you heard me say over the years in front of all the different people that I said them in front of, tell those things the men that you can trust so they can tell other men they can trust. So we've got to ask, what is it we're trusting these men for, right? And what we're trusting them for ultimately is what Second Timothy, the entire book, is about. And that is preservation of God's word and God's ministry, Okay, that's what we're trusting these men for. We have to know, right? We have to know when we're, when we're passing this information along that the men and women we're telling it to know that God's word is perfect and complete. We have to know that, all right? And the second, the moment they decide to add in their own twist on what that word says or a, a new flavor on, on God's word, you know, the moment that people choose to make this word more easily acceptable for the sensitivity of modern culture, um, they, they ruin the, the discipleship process, okay? Um, they've damaged the preservations of these words, and they've potentially, worst case scenario, cr created a string of heresy that, 
that could go on indefinitely, right? Like, that's how we got all the heresy in the world today, all the incorrect doctrine. One guy told one guy, and then they just kept telling other people, and it's because that one guy had a corrupt opinion, right? Men have corrupt opinions. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 tells us, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All right? These verses tell us the use of Scripture, the usefulness of Scripture, and then the authority of it, right? To make a man perfect, this is, this is, this is real authority. This is, in fact, our authority above all else. And for the sake of all things, there's nothing to add to it. There's nothing that needs to be added to it. All right? And if, you know, Mark 4, verse 14 says, The sower soweth the word. It does not say the sower soweth the word and his interpretation thereof. Right? It doesn't say, you know, he soweth the word and then the thing that needs to be said for the person to hear it. It's just, it's just the word. And if there's something in this book that someone doesn't like, God's words are his words. And the tough pill to swallow for so many people, for myself at one point, is that God, the creator of the universe, the owner of all things, does not owe you or me or anybody else a single explanation for what his word says. Not a single explanation. He gives us explanations. He explains things to us, but he owes us none of them. And, if, and man, if there's seriously, you know, one or two things or three, and I hear this all the time, just a few things People who say, look, I believe in God. I've never doubted my faith in the Lord. But there's a few things in that book that God says that, that are stopping me from moving forward in my walk with the Lord. I can't get past these things. If that's you, know this. A worldly perspective that a man made up is keeping you from being in line with a God that is righteous. A God that gave his life for you. Again, and you're defending the perspective of a world who causes you nothing but trouble and pain and chaos against God's word. Key point number three, God's words and practices are perfect as they are. So his disciples preserve and communicate them as they are. Um, you can go to the next slide. You guys know this guy? This is, you guys, nobody knows Craig Mack? Nobody? Alex, Miles, you guys know Craig Mack? My dudes. Um, <clears throat> look, Craig Mack, he was a rapper in the 90s, and, you know, this is, the, I don't know if this joke's going to go over well if nobody knows <laughs> Craig Mack. Uh, but Craig Mack, he released a song in 1994 called Flava in Your Ear. You guys know that song? The, the chorus is, time for a new flavor in your ear, I'm kicking new flavor in your ear. You guys know that song? If you guys see Craig on the street, tell Craig we're not interested in his new flavor, right? He could, he could put that flavor on a chip and sell it to Pringles. We don't have itching ears. We don't want your new flavor, Craig. <laughs> key, key point number four, do not disciple Craig Mack. He is not a faithful man. No. Um, no, I think, you know what, and I actually read that Craig Mack died in 2008, so. <sighs> Look, Craig Mack was a good rapper. I'll give him that. I, I love it. I like his music, all right? Um, anyway, moving along. Rest in peace, Craig. Um, verse number three. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Okay, so no one had more space to say this than Paul himself. We should all acknowledge that. All right? It doesn't matter that Paul was essentially looking down the barrel of a gun while he was writing this letter. 
He was prepared to die for his faith, and eventually that was going to happen to him. He was going to become a martyr for Jesus Christ. And in him, we have an example of what it looks like to be immediately submitted to God from the very beginning of our first encounters with him until the very end of our lives. Right? And yeah, we should be amen that. Kendall, can I get an amen? Thank you, Kendall. Um, It's no coincidence that immediately after being given the model of discipleship, we're given the title of soldiers. It's no coincidence because that's what we're doing in discipleship. We're training up soldiers in God's word because God's word is the weapon that his soldiers use to fight battles they enter into. All right? If you look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, this whole passage is called the armor of God. All right? I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12 tells us what it is we fight against the soldiers of Jesus Christ. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? We're not wrestling against physical things, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 16 tells us, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All right? Does that get you guys fired up a little bit? It should. I mean, it should. I mean, I know some of us read this and we just, in our note, we just say Ephesians 6, armor of God. We doodle a little heart, we doodle a little shield, and we move along. But no, we, we should not be passive with scripture like this, guys, and titles like this. We're called soldiers, and Jesus Christ gives us a whole section of scripture about how to equip the things that he wants us to use as his, as his soldiers. All right? And if we don't understand or take seriously that the word of God is our sword, that it's our weapon in this war, we're going to lose every single battle that we enter into, right? We're called soldiers of Jesus Christ because there's an enemy of Jesus Christ among us, and he hates us, and he wants us to be complacent in this world. We're told to endure hardness because war in the life of believer is real, and it's difficult. And anybody in this room who's, who's dealing with a stronghold in your life right now, you know this to be true. God gave us his word to use scripture in times where we don't have control over the situations we're in. And man, that's all the time. All right? That's all the time. Do we, do we know? Do we realize that Satan has convinced the whole world and even some, some Christians, right? People who call Jesus Lord and Savior convinced Christians that it is a silly and childish solution to give our issues over to Jesus Christ, to say, God, take my problem. I'm not going to fret over this thing. Really, though, that is the solution of a mature disciple of Jesus Christ, to give our issues over to our, our, our Lord, right? It's childish to fold in the face of temptation continuously and whine when, when the world doesn't give us what we want, when our expectations aren't met. That's what's childish, right? When God doesn't give us what we want. Man, if it doesn't enter into your life, it wasn't in God's plan for it to enter into your life. His disciples know that. Um, Matt, come on. All right, we're back. Um, yeah, so his disciples know that. Look, guys, if we can't trust Jesus Christ for the simplest of solutions, right, for the little battles we have every day, um, man, we're, we're not going to be very useful in, in the wars that we enter into. We're just not. Um, Satan is an enemy of Jesus Christ and his followers. And equipping ourselves through discipleship is how we prepare ourselves against that enemy's presence in our day-to-day lives. And, and man, that's something a disciple of Jesus Christ has to realize, Again, it's no coincidence that this is how we got this scripture. 
You know, it's funny. The things that we are afraid of, <clears throat> we give them all kinds of agency. We give, we give our fears agency, and we give them power, and we, we call those things our enemy, right? We call our fears our enemy. I have a phobia of spiders, of bees, of wasps. Really, I have a phobia of all insects across the board. I do not like bugs. Um, yeah, amen to that. Kendall, can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> My dude. I know Kendall's not afraid of a single thing that this world has. So, <laughs> so thank you for making me feel okay, dude. Um, so actually, over the summer, I had a horde of German yellow jackets make a, make a home out of my garage wall. And some of the Kaya guys know this because I was saying, I need help. I need help dealing with these things. And, and Kendall bravely offered to help me. Wyatt provided me with a bee suit um, so I could approach these things. Um, provision, God's provision. Um, <clears throat> anyway, after a week, I mean, my, my wife was like a couple weeks out of, of giving birth at this point. And, and I was like, I got to take care of these freaking yellow jackets. And German yellow jackets are the most aggressive type of yellow jacket. I did my research. And, um, and I, I knew that if I went out there, I was going to get stung. And I'm terrified of getting stung. But so it debilitated me. I was debilitated. For a week, I wouldn't like, leave my house because I didn't want to walk by these things. And um, you know, I got to a point where I finally like, manned up. And once I got that bee suit and stuff, I was like, I'm, I'm going I'm to go out there. I'm going to take care of these things. I'm going to seal up the holes they're coming out of. I'm going to make them suffocate inside my wall. And three separate times I attempted to do this over a single weekend. And every single one of those attempts ended with me running inside, slamming the door behind me, and, and freaking out, thinking there were bugs on me. And like, what, what insects do to my brain, guys? It, it, it's unorthodox. But at the end of this week, I was talking to my wife, and I was, we were, I, was, I was annoying her with this same conversation. And I said, Hannah, like, I have to take care of these things. I know that they've all seen me, though. They've seen me. They, they, at this point, they've communicated to the whole hive. They've, they've told them what I look like. They know I'm trying to seal up their holes. What the heck am I going to do? They probably are building a back door to their hive right now in preparation. And she finally cut me off. And she said, Nick, OK, Nick, you are talking about bugs. And you have to remember that these bugs are not outside thinking about you right now. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Bugs don't think about humans the way humans think about bugs, probably. And, you know, I, that's a funny story. It's a true story. I'm, and I, I know I'm a sissy. I know I am. Um, but unlike those yellow jackets, and, and like our most common fears, right? For Pastor Briscoe, it's, it's a gorilla. He's terrified of gorillas. For, for many of us, um, it's, it's crowds like this with people we don't know. And it's a small room with one person who we don't know. And the, the idea of having an awkward conversation, right? Like, these are our common fears. And we make those things our enemy. And we separate ourselves from those things. Man, when I got those, those yellow jackets killed, because praise God, I did eventually, um, I made it so that there will never be another hive in my house ever. I seal up every single crack. No bug is getting into a crack in my wall. Um, and, you know, it's, the thing is, I do that because I think they're intelligent and calculated. But, but they're not. Our most common fears are not, right? The enemy of Jesus Christ is intelligent. And calculated against us. But we don't separate ourselves from him the way we separate ourselves from the most common of fears. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. All right? He wants to isolate us. He wants to separate us. And then he wants to do what lions do. He wants, and it's, this is blunt, but he wants to eat our guts. 
Like that's what lions do to their prey. They eat them. Right? He wants to eat us up, and he wants to keep us separated from the body of Christ. So many of us do all we can. Brandon would never be in a situation where he had to be face-to-face with a gorilla. He never would, right? And some of you guys separate yourselves from your most common fears like it'll be the death of you, but you, we, we allow ourselves to be in situations where we're in the presence of the enemy. And all the while, we're completely unprepared to be there, right? And, and that's why we lose these battles times and times again with, with the enemy. But we, if we recognize that we are soldiers of Jesus Christ and we prepare ourselves for those encounters... Well, 1 Peter 5, verses 10 and 11 tells us, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Key point number four. um, A disciple of Jesus Christ that's established in their walks through biblical discipleship can stand strong in the face of the enemy. Can. All right, I'm telling you, by God's presence and God's grace, you can overcome any stronghold the enemy has introduced into your life, but you have to know what his word says. And discipleship equips us in that, right? Okay, lots of noises here today. And now it's a very dark room. <laughs> um, okay, we, we, we're, we're, we got a little bit of time still, so I'm going to talk about verse 4 just for a second. Um, and then we've got to talk about something else, guys. Um, verse 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Okay? So we know that we're soldiers, right? And we know that as soldiers of the military of Jesus Christ, we're to please the person that we serve in that army. Um, in order to do that effectively as disciples of his, we have to be asking our, ourselves the question all the time, constantly. We have to be asking ourselves, Have I become entangled with something of this world, right? This is judging ourselves. And we be honest with this answer. Um, this is how Christians change behavior to match up with Scripture, and, you know, uh, it's how we become conformed to God's will. We judge ourselves against the Scripture. So something that has come up uh, as of late pertaining to Takaya, this fellowship in relation to discipleship, and, you know, this isn't, this isn't everyone. We know that. It's, it's, it's a small thing that's happening, and, um, you know, it's been brought directly to the discipleship team's attention and the attention to uh, our pastor. And, and really, we just want to nip it in the butt. We want to address it before it becomes a root of bitterness for anybody. Um, is that there, there's a growing culture of canceling, um, postponing, rescheduling, uh, and even just ghosting, right, on our disciplers and on our disciples, guys. And we're not, we weren't seeking this out. These are things that have been brought to the attention of the discipleship team. Um, and guys, this is a problem. This is not, this is not okay. As, as soldiers of Jesus Christ, right, as stewards of the things that he gives us, as ambassadors of his gospel message, and as, as shepherds of the growing babes in the faith that he's placed in our lives, um, I think it needs to be said that we're not judging ourselves enough if this is becoming something that's happening within Kaya. Um, yeah, and, and it's unfortunate because a lot of it is just laziness. A lot of it is just laziness and our desire to sit on our couches and be entertained and this illusion that we're so busy that we don't have any time to give to this person that we've committed ourselves to. Um, and I just don't buy it. I don't, I don't buy it. Um, disciplers, you've, you've counted the cost. You've been through the lessons. You've finished D2. You were hand 
picked by pastors and leaders in this church to invest God's word and your life into the life of a, of a younger believer who is not being forced to be invested in, who's asking to be invested in, right? I can't say let's turn to a part of scripture where Paul cancels on Timothy for the third time in a row in the same week. It's not there. This isn't something we picked up from biblical culture. This is something we picked up from our flesh. Disciples, you, you've counted the cost also, okay? You've been asked to be invested in, and you're not absent responsibility in this relationship. I can't turn to a place in Scripture either where, where Paul, where it's noted that Paul went looking for Timothy at camp, and, and Timothy was nowhere to be found, right? Like, like, Timothy was there. He was faithful. These were two men so not entangled by the things of this life that they could, they could live life together and take part in ministry side by side with consistency, Without, you know, with, with ease. I'm sure they had their, their struggles, and it was probably all things that we would just not be able to comprehend, like how they were living life in that time. But, but these men were about the Great Commission. It was everything to them. And how we are living when we do that type of thing says the Great Commission is just not everything to us. It's not what's first in our lives, right? Um, and in reality, guys, you know, what we're, what we're talking about is, is one day a week minimum of, of meeting consistently with, with your disciple and your discipler and your apprentice. One day a week minimum. That's, that's what we ask. And it should take about a year on average to get through all of discipleship if, if you're meeting at that rate. And whether it's to do a lesson or spend time together, whatever it might be, um, there's 52 weeks in a year and there's 18 lessons. So I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, somebody can do that math. It's not me, though. I'm not, not good at simple math. But... Um, yeah, and, and you know, like if we see our disciples once a month or once every three weeks, and then all of our conversations sound the exact same. It's, it's how you doing? What are you doing? How are you liking your job? Do you make any money on GameStop? Like just, just stuff, stuff like that, right? That's funny, but it's just like what's happening in the news. Let me bring this up kind of a thing. It's, it's, these are conversations that scream, we are not living life together. They scream, uh, recreation of life based in Jesus Christ is not happening here. If you're in lesson 10 with your discipler and you still don't know how many brothers and sisters they have, you probably need to reevaluate some things. All right? And I'm not, you know, I'm not above this. I, uh, Pastor Briscoe, he discipled me a few years ago. Um, and uh, I canceled on him like a total of seven times. The nerve, right? I can't, but, I, but I did it. And it was because I was lazy and I wanted to sit on my couch every time. And I would see the weather, and I would see, like, a small chance of snow, and I'd be like, there's my excuse. And I'd call him up, and I'd say, Brandon, chance of snow, man. Probably shouldn't be driving, right? You don't want to put me in danger, right? And it, becomes, it becomes manipulative to a point, right? How we make excuses becomes a manipulation to, to this person who has committed themselves to you. Um, so, yeah, I, I owned up to it. He called me out on it. Like, the third time I did that in a row, he said, hey, man. How about you just let me know when you want to meet consistently? And that was all I needed. I was like, man, the weather, it's fine, man. I'll be headed over here in a few minutes. We're going to jump right back into this thing. Um, again, though, I owned up to it. And, and to a degree, there's, there's people in this room that, that need to own up to that today and now. We need to get right with our discipleship relationship so they can, you know, so they can be glorifying and honoring to God. All right? Um, Real quick, I just want to say, I know this is a faithful group of people. I know it is. Like, I love you guys. I'm grateful to be a part of this fellowship. And you guys are fruitful and faithful. And, man, so many of you are involved in discipleship. And it's just, it's awesome. And, it's, it, it's, and it is glorifying to God. Uh, I think people who are Christians their whole lives come in this room and see this young group of people who know their Bibles 
and want to share Jesus Christ with people who do not know their Bibles and Jesus Christ. And, and some of them are so freaked out by it that they leave and never come back. And, and that's okay because we're not supposed to look normal in this world, right? We're supposed to be as pilgrims in this land. Um, but not even the most faithful and fruitful people are exempt from picking up on habits of the world. They're not. And the world loves laziness. So we need to quit chilling so much. We need to, you know, there's nothing thrilling about chilling. Um, and we're a, a generation that's obsessed with thrills, entertainment, and experiences. So why are we sitting on our couches like it's, you know, like it's our only option? Look, guys, as obedient Christians who know they should judge themselves, when we pick up on behavior in our life that doesn't line up with Scripture, we repent, we change, we move forward, and we glorify God with our decisions to do so. So let's just do that now, all right? Let's just do that as a fellowship. And we got to remember, we make up a majority of, of the discipleship fellowship at MBT. So if there's a trend happening, it's probably from this group of people that it's coming. So let's, let's influence the local church in a, in a glorifying direction for the sake of Christ. Okay. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up here. <clears throat> I think I've said enough. But um, a few more things I do have to say, actually. Uh, really quick, I, I, just, I just think it's worth pointing out, right, that, that we live in a world where people do not know anything about anything, and it's by choice that we, don't, that we do that. We all have, you know, like, cell phones and tablets for, for the life of us. We don't know how this thing operates and works and functions. We all, we all live within the bounds of a government, but we don't know how it truly works. I don't know that they even do, like, you know, it doesn't seem to be that way. Sometimes what we trust that experts will communicate the needed information to us. So we have peace in that. And that's how most of the world lives, I think, most of the first world. Um, and, and there's a word for it. It's called a technocratic society. That's an actual word. It sounds like a nightclub that, that, that Melissa Warden plays sent that. Um, and, it, and also Uriah Ginther and Micah Sanders are performers there. They do, they do live TikTok dances. Um, but no, really, really, um, a technocratic society. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a governed body that um, only necessary information is disseminated into through experts in a field or a subject. And guys, I just say that to say that by Jesus' example, he showed us he does not want his followers to be a part of that type of culture when it comes to the things that are of him, right? He doesn't. He wants us to know this book for ourselves. So when, so when people ask us questions about what this book says um, or about anything in our lives so that, we can, so that we can reference the Bible, we can answer those questions with, well, the Bible says this, rather than, well, you know, this is, this is what I think or this is my opinion. Who cares what we think and about our opinions? They're fleeting, they're changing, depending on the situation we're in. So why do we share them as if they are... You know, as, as, as unchanging as the word of God. Um, we are called to be workmen in his word. We are. Um, but remember, knowledge and wisdom for the sake of knowing things means nothing to Christ if it's not put to the use of glorifying him and, and having a humble way of doing it. I mean, Jesus was a humble guy for all the crazy stuff he was, he was able to do on earth. Um, he also wasn't afraid to like, call some people out, obviously, but... But look at what Luke 14, verse 33 says, real quick. It says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Okay? And, um, you know, the whole 
chapter of Luke 14 is about what it costs to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's the requirements of it. And, um, man, if, th- if this is too much for you, if this truth is too much, that, that everything in your life has to come second to Jesus Christ to be a follower of him the way he asks. You know, I have, a, I have a wife and a son who I love dearly with all, with all that I am. And um, uh, they don't sustain me, and I know that. And the, and the things that we're all striving for in life, the goals we set for ourselves, they don't sustain, and they never will. Um, and I know that that's the, that's the same mindset of my wife, and that's why I can say it confidently, that, that Jesus Christ sustains me. Um, if you can't accept that truth where you're at right now, then, then discipleship is not for you where you're at right now. It's not. And I didn't say that, that Jesus Christ said that. Um, <clears throat> But there are people in this room who, who fit that description. There are. Um, and for those of you who, who, who do fit that description, and it might be time for you to start equipping the armor of God in your life. And practically, that does look like being a faithful member of a local church. It doesn't have to be here at MBT, but that's, that's the first step in being a disciple of Jesus Christ, is understanding the importance that the body of Christ plays in your walk with the Lord. Um, it might be joining a Bible study. There's people in here who, who, who have avoided that. And I, three years ago, I knew not a thing about this book. And I, I went to a Bible study knowing absolutely nothing. I attended it faithfully for three years. And man, guys, I'm telling you, that is where discipleship starts. That, it, it can start there before you even go into COD. Just, just by attending Bible study, being in fellowship with people as they're studying the Word of God. Um, yeah, I don't know. These, these are all steps that you can take to, to prepare yourself to, to truly enter into a discipleship relationship. You know, MBT does offer those, those, those things. Um, but, you know, there, there are practical steps that you can start taking today to start living out the Great Commission and to start untangling your life from the things in this world that have you so worked up all the time, right? Um, ultimately, guys, discipleship will enable you to share the gospel, and become a missionary wherever you are at. That's the outcome of discipleship, is being a missionary. And that's where you'll find purpose and passion in life that outlives this life. Okay? That's, that's where true purpose comes from. Any, any difference we make on earth, it's somebody else is just going to make a difference out of it a few years down the road. And then it's going to be gone because everything in this world is going is to burn up. Right? Um, if you attend this church and, um, you know, you're new in discipleship, I mean, now is the time to pray about, about how this is going to look for you, right? What's it going to actually look like to commit yourself to this thing? Apparently, everybody here is involved with it. But if you're considering discipleship, um, you know, the next Cost of Discipleship class is in April. It's the first Saturday every other month. That's, that's April coming up. And, you know, that's some time to think and pray and decide, like, do I want to do this? And if you do, go to that class and find out what it means. Um, do that. Um, you know, being a disciple of Jesus Christ will cost you everything, but, it, but it, it will change you at the same time. And there is peace and obedience to the Lord's call that, that no one can describe to you outside of just experiencing it. Um, if you're a discipler or a disciple in this room and you know that you need to reconcile something with somebody, now is the time. Look, discipleship can take place without discipleship actually taking place. It can. And we don't want to be a part of that. All right? Let's have these relationships be real and glorifying to the Lord. Again, we've all been to the cost of discipleship, and we, we know that every biblical truth that we claim to, be, to understand and to live out, like we become responsible for that thing. 
All right? Um, so let's just set our prides aside right now and let's get right with the person or the people that we need to get right with before we leave here today. All right? And uh, lastly, lastly, the last thing I just want to say is, again, if you, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now is the time to have a conversation about that. Again, you could die on your way home today. Life is fleeting. It, it's but a vapor. It'll, it'll be gone before you know it. And if you, if you push that question off too long, well, man, you're, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on God's grace and in eternity with the creator of the universe. And um, it's not worth pushing off. Have that conversation. There's going to be people behind these columns who, who want to have those conversations with you. Okay. Um, Guys, let's just, let's just remember, right? Every time we open up our discipleship books, remember that the reason we're doing this is because it's honoring to God and we want to preserve the thing that he gave us. All right, we're not just doing lessons. Uh, let's, let's pray and we'll get out of here. Um, God, I, I thank you for today, Lord. And again, God, I thank you for discipleship. And I, I thank you for the, the, the process that you lived out um, you know, unapologetically so that we could see it and, and just recreate that thing here within a local church. And again, God, we're, we're so grateful that this book can become reality in our lives, that the grace of God has been given to us, that we have that foundation. Um, and God, we want to use it. We want to put that to use. We want to think about it daily and use it for all things. Um, God, we want to glorify you with discipleship at MBT and uh, discipleship wherever it's happening. And God, I pray that those, those relationships would be biblical and that they'd be glorifying to you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.